you can be grateful for heat. Most Sundays, people are freezing because the AC is blowing right on their heads. But today, people are grateful for that air that comes out of that magical vent up there. Um, so yeah, if, if I did not meet you last week or this week, my name is Matthew. It's great to be back. My wife and I went to the magical land of Kentucky over Thanksgiving, um, where she is from, and uh, we got to hang out up there. And it was good to be away, but at the same time, like, come Sunday morning, we missed, like, we missed this. We missed worshiping with our family. Um, we missed kind of, you know, just being here. And so we're really, really glad to be back. And if, like I said, if I haven't met you, my name is Matthew, and uh, I would love to, to meet you afterwards if I didn't get to before. I have a confession to make, and, and it's taken me a while to get to this place, um, but my name is Matthew, and, and I love Christmas. I do. I love Christmas. From a child, like, believe it or not, as a child, I loved Christmas. My parents, like, they went over the top like they did. They probably made poor financial decisions at Christmas. They were not listening to Dave Ramsey. They were spending with their hearts and their credit cards. They were doing all of that because they loved Christmas, too. And, uh, you know, somewhere along the way, I kind, of, I kind of pulled back like most pious Christians do, and I'm like, no, 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 no more consumerism. It's bad. We've lost the meaning of Christmas. And then, you know, just bit by bit, as, as a guy that, you know, hopefully is growing up, um, God's just been able to let me figure out that, no, Christmas is great. It's an amazing time of celebration. Um, and probably, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking correctly when I got upset. And so now, man, I can say it. I love Christmas. It's good. Um, I, I don't like Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. And that's okay. If, if you're one of those people that thinks it should start playing November 1st, there's interventions that can happen. Um, but after Thanksgiving, it's fine. You can turn it to 98.9 if you have an antenna on your car. And, and you can listen to Christmas music or Spotify or whatever you choose to do, you tech-savvy people. But it's good. But one thing that I never, uh, I never really got to do as a child, even growing up in the, in the church, uh, is we didn't really celebrate Advent. Um, it just wasn't something that we did. We, uh, I grew up in kind of the BOBC, like we've talked about, the big old Baptist church, and that's okay, but we just didn't celebrate Advent. It was something that our Presbyterian brothers and sisters did, our Catholic brothers and sisters, but not, but not a Southern Baptist, you know, because it was traditional, and, you know, we were rebels. And so it probably wasn't until my early 30s, um, until, like, I started to actually look at it and examine what Advent was and kind of coming to this place of not all traditions are bad, it's okay, some of them are very good. And so what God's allowed me to do over the past several years is just to think about the intent of Advent uh, originally and what we get to do with it now. And if you're like me and you didn't celebrate Advent, I know it may be a little odd to have some, some purple and pink candles um, in here and actually to kind of focus on, like, four or five words during the Christmas season. But here's the deal. Very much like... Uh, what we get to do on the first Sunday of every month through communion. Advent should do this. It shouldn't be the only time that we think about Jesus, but it should be a time in which we can directly focus on, on just Jesus. You know, it's so easy to get lost in, um, in one of my mother's words, the rigmarole. I don't even know that we use that word in modern vernacular, but rigmarole of, of everything. And so at this time of the year, it's nice just to kind of to pull back and to think about like, man, what is hope? How do we have hope in Jesus? What, what is faith? What, what does that really mean? What, um, what are all these words that we use very often, but do we really just stop and think about the foundational um, efficacy of what they represent for us? Today, um, we're going to do that. And so what I kind of have to point out before we do that is there are a lot of things in life that if, 
if we just take modern cultural definitions, we're never going to understand the fullness of God. Like what we have to allow the Bible to do is the Bible has to effectively become a lexicon for us um, in how we understand, how we process, and how we think through the ideas and the directions of God. Uh, Because if we don't, if we take words like, say, for instance, love, if we take the, the worldly definition of love, and we run with that, but we don't think about the biblical, godly definition of love, we're going to miss a lot, like Stephen talked about last week with hope. If we think about what just hope means on a day-to-day basis, worldly basis, but we don't compare it to the hope that God offers, we're going to miss a ton. And, and there's a ton of these principles in Scripture. Um, today, we're just going to think about another one of those words, um, and it's just peace. Second Sunday of Advent, just this idea of peace. Um, this is uncharacteristic of me. I'm, I'm super comfortable taking a large chunk of Scripture and hanging out there today. We're going to bounce around a lot, like over there in, in that fancy computer. There's a lot of passages. I'm going to try to get through all of them. Um, but let's start in Isaiah 9, chapter 6 and 7, uh, this idea of peace. Most of them are going to be up here. This is prophecy about 720, 730 years before Jesus was born, written by Isaiah. Really impressive for us to know that, to think about that. But it says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So two things in there. One, Jesus, even before Jesus was born, he already was given this name. He'd been called Emmanuel in prophecy. He'd been called a lot of things, but here he's being called the Prince of Peace the ruler of peace. And it even tells us that of the increase of his government and of peace, government frequently misunderstood as far as a prophetic term, but government and peace, there will be no end. And so now we know that uh, this Messiah who's coming, this Emmanuel, this God with us, this God with skin on, he's going to come and he's going to be the prince of peace, the ruler of peace, the giver of peace, the author of peace, the owner of peace, all of that. And this peace that he's offering, it will never run out. It will never end. And then if we flip over to the Christmas story, Uh, that we find in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And uh, we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but I just want to read part of this. You can follow along with me. And it says, And in that same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so 700 some odd years later, there's shepherds out in the field, and they get this... uh, this hallelujah course kind of a deal from the angelic hosts saying, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Um, And so now, ushering in this thing, breaking the silence, so to speak, at least to the multitudes. We talked about that a few weeks ago when we ended our Old Testament series. Uh, The silence was broken to these shepherds and saying, man, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so we see that Jesus is going to be the Prince of Peace. We see that his peace is everlasting. Uh, We see that the angels are even singing about it. Um, But here's our problem. 
if we think about peace the way we normally would, Webster would define peace as the absence of uh, disturbance or freedom from disturbance or just tranquility. The problem is, if we think in those terms and then we look at Jesus, there's some incongruency there because we don't see that kind of peace. We don't see the kind of peace in which wars have stopped. We don't see the kind of peace in which there's not conflict between man. We don't see that kind of peace. And so if we're holding the definition, our standard definition of peace, and we're putting it against here, they're just not going to match up. And so what's the issue? Because even, even just a little bit later, um, in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is even talking. He's like, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. And we're like, wait, wait. I thought you were bringing peace. Now you're telling me you're bringing sword and you're separating people. So I don't understand. Man, this is going to happen super frequently. If we allow the world to define God's terms for us, we're going to be lost. We can be lost eternally. We can be lost conditionally. We can be lost, you know, culturally where we are, but, but we can be lost. And so what we need to think about when we're talking about the Prince of Peace, Jesus bringing peace, is, is I think that we need to look at what kind of peace is actually being offered. What is it that, that Jesus brings? Now, I will say, if we're functioning off two definitions, the one we're going to talk about in a minute, and then the standard worldly definition of peace, peace would be the, the absence of conflict or freedom from disturbance and tranquility. Like, if we're looking at that, and then we're going to look at the one we're going to discuss, I will go ahead and give this away. Even though they're differing definitions now, in the end, Jesus is going to bring them together. And that's, that's good. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get better than that. Like, if you flip towards the end of your Bible, it's not the end of the Bible for any, you know, for an unknown reason. It's specifically there for a purpose. And in Revelation 21, 1 through 4, it talks about the fact that John is being revealed what's to come. And he says that he's going to see God come down, a new heaven, new earth kind of a deal. God's going to come. He's going to live amongst his people. It's going to be the way that he addressed Abraham. I will be your God. You will be my people. Sadness, gone. Strife, gone. War, gone. All of it, gone. And so the kind of peace that we think about, Jesus is bringing. He is. He's going to bring it, and he's going to merge the two definitions, and the peace that we want, the peace that we have desired, the peace that we clamor for, it will be here. But until that time, we need to think differently about what this peace is, especially in, in this beautiful Advent season, the season in which we're thinking about this, this God with flesh on being born in a manger without the praise, without the, the choruses, without all of the, the kingdom-like revelry, without any of that. We need to look and we say, what is it that Jesus really brought to me and to you? And so this morning, we're going to, like I said, we're going to bounce through a lot of Scripture um, but here's the first. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The first thing that we need to understand, the kind of, kind of peace that Jesus is bringing, is something that uh, no other religious leaders ever offered. No other system or doctrine is ever offered. Instead, it's this. Jesus allows us to have peace with God. And I know that seems very, like, simple. And, 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 and like, yeah, of course he does. No, no, no. Understand, like, peace with God. 
Because I think it would be very easy for us to wake up and think, I am at odds with this God, this creator. He is waiting to strike me down, hand of an angry God kind of a deal. That I am at war with God, that he is in opposition to me. He is against me daily. He is fighting me. He is pushing me. He is breaking me. But in reference to Scripture, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, legally made right by faith, which comes through hearing according to Romans 10, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. I don't know if you've ever thought about like peace, like holding that up to the definition. The definition would be freedom from disturbance and tranquility. We get to have that with the author and the creator of all things. We don't have to be at war with God. We don't have to be in opposition with God. We don't have to be in fear of God. We get to have peace, like still waters with God. I'm a fisherman, and I think about water a lot. Like if I'm driving and there's a river, there's been times where I've almost wrecked because I'm just, I'm looking and I'm trying to see a seam. I'm like, man, where's the trout down there? And so, but like I think about still waters, and I think about just the peace that it represents, and that's the, the tranquility idea of just Man, no waves, no disturbances, no rocks, no pebbles, just flat and beautiful and calm. Jesus says we can have that with his dad because of him and only because of him. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4 is also up there. And it says you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an, is an everlasting rock. And so there's this idea that God brings peace through Jesus, our faith in him. But there's also this, that you keep him in perfect peace. Speaking of God being the you, keep him talking about us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. God offers peace, and then our part is to just trust it. Just to trust it. Just to, man, just like, I don't know if you wake up and feel like you're at odds with God. If you, if you have called on the name of Jesus as your Savior, if you have seen your sin and chosen Jesus over that, and you have confessed and you've said, Jesus, I want you to own me, to take me, to make me so that I can be made right with God eternally starting now and forever. Like, if that is you, there's never a reason that you need to wake up and feel like you're at odds with the Father ever. If you do, it's a lie that you're choosing to believe over the truth because the truth is Jesus has set us free to peace in God. Like, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. We don't have to think that he's against us because, as a matter of fact, he's completely and utterly for us. We see that in the life, the death, the resurrection, and the words of Jesus. He's for us. Still waters. And because of those still waters, he's going to keep us, and our mind just gets to stay focused on him. To think of him. That's the beauty of this season. Like, it's an easy time of year to do it. Like, you can even turn it on to a secular radio station. I've talked about this. Like, a lot of folks want to say that we're living in a post-Christian society. We're not. I'm sorry. We are, we're not there yet. We can turn on the radio and still hear the gospel on a secular radio station. Then we can hear jingle bells right behind it. But still, we can hear joy to the world first. We can hear the gospel on display during this time of year. It's an amazing time of year just to, to focus on the fact that because of Jesus, we get to have peace with God. No fear. Like awe and reverence, yes, but like the fear of him going to smash me and smite me. Smite's not a word we use a whole lot either, but it's a great word. We don't have to worry about that anymore. If by faith we have placed our life in Jesus. 
Now, if, if you're walking around daily and you haven't, like, abandoned your sin in favor of Jesus, and you haven't confessed that, and you haven't said, Jesus, you're the one, you're the only way for me to made, be made right with God, if you haven't done that, then I probably think there is some fear in your life, but you can let go of that. That's the beauty of this time of year, too. It, it, it points us to the idea that maybe you don't have hope where you are, but guess what? It's available, and peace is, too. Through the confession, the repentance of sin, and the trusting in Jesus and only Jesus to make us right with God. And peace is available. So we get peace with God. Romans 6, 6 through 7 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. The other thing that we get peace with, we get peace with God, but I think here's the other thing that when we look at Jesus, we have to see this. We have to be at peace with who God's made us to be. We get to have peace with who we are in Christ. I love that when we read this, we understand that we are no longer bound to the destructive and the controlling power of sin anymore. It's not our master anymore. It says we're no longer slaves. Like that word slave right there really means slave, someone who is bound to that as a master. That's not us anymore. The chains have been broken. The freedom has been granted. And now we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're doulasses or bondservants to Jesus. And he's a good, good master. And even almost in the same breath, he says, yes, you are bondservants to me and I offer you freedom. How many masters would say that the yoke that I offer you is freedom. And we're no longer, we have peace with God, but now we have peace with just who we are. I think so long, like the, the phrase comes up, find yourself, figure out who you are. Man, when we confess Jesus as Lord, it becomes so much emphatically easier just to say, now I'm no longer a slave to sin, I'm yours. Now I get to serve a master who doesn't offer me chains. He offers me freedom. He doesn't offer me eternal separation. He offers me eternal family and union. Ephesians 1.5, not up there, is just this idea that not only are we free from sin, and that can be a part of our identity, but it goes a little bit further to say that we have now been, as a result of Jesus, adopted Adopted doesn't carry the same cultural significance now as it used to, but we have now been adopted into family uh, where we are vertically bound to God through Jesus, and we are also horizontally bound to everyone else who's been adopted. As a result of this, man, the beauty and the, 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 the majesty of peace is we get to have peace with our identity, and we can know that now we belong to God. We're his kids, and he's the best father we can imagine. And that's my identity now. Sin is no longer my father. Sin no longer controls my fate. Sin no longer holds my destiny, but my dad does. And my dad's God. He's the one that made it all. He made it all, and he gets to be my dad. That's, if that's my identity, then whoo. How can I have a bad day? And I will. But I mean, seriously, like if I'm thinking like in these terms, if my identity is I'm no longer a slave to sin, now I'm a child of the living God. I mean, if that's my identity, then where do bad days come from? 
1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, um, gives us a little more information. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Not only are we uh, no longer slaves to sin, not only now are we children of God, but it says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Now there's actually been not just a name given to us, not just a child moniker given to us, but now a job has been given to us as a result. As a result of belonging to the Father, we have been placed in the Father's work. It's like God and sons, you know, kind of like a moving company kind of a deal. You know, we we see it on the side of trucks. That's us. We get to be God and sons and daughters kind of a deal. We're His. We've been called as kids. We've been freed from sin. And now we've been given a job. It says you are a royal priesthood. Do you know what priests do? Priests carry the name of God with great gravity and mercy and weight and responsibility. That's us. That's, not just, that's not, not just for the people who have been called into vocational ministry. My son's using air quotes lately, and it's so funny, and he's using them so wrong, but it's so good. He's like, happy birthday. I'm like, no, 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 stop doing that. But anyway, like, it's not just for those people in vocational ministry. It's for all people. This is an all-inclusive idea. We, as a people, chosen by God for God, we are a royal, kingly priesthood, all of us. Now, there's some, there's some fear there because that means that if you have been bound to God through Jesus, abandoning your sin in favor of him, indwelled by the very Spirit of God, none of us are released uh, from carrying the name of Jesus, not a single one. The responsibility has been placed squarely on every single one of us. Whether you're an accountant, rest your soul, because uh, I don't like numbers, that's great. Thank you for balancing my budget. Uh, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a stay-at-home dad, uh, whether you manage a restaurant, whether you run a coffee shop, no matter what you do, royal priesthood, if you're bound to God through Jesus. Everyone. So your identity is no longer stranger and alien to God in opposition to God. Slavery, you are no longer a slave to sin. Uh, you are not just God's child, but you are a people chosen by God for God to be a royal priest. Crazy. Because if I was selecting priest, I would not be it. And I know most of you, you would not be it. But I thank God that you are. I thank God that you are. I thank God that he has such a high opinion of himself who comes to reside in us that he trusts his own nature over mine. Our identity is we are children with a job. We are God's children to take up his job of seeing that all people, every man, every woman, every child has repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel and grow in their knowledge and understanding of Jesus. Royal priesthood. Everyone. It's so amazing to think that we can be adopted by a father like that. And he says, not only am I going to adopt you, but I'm going to give you all the rights and the privileges of my other son, Jesus. The adoption weight that we don't fully understand in this time, like if you adopted someone, like if you said, I'm going to adopt you, you entered into a contractual agreement that says no matter what you do, no matter how you disappoint me, no matter how far you run, you will never unchild yourself. (laughs) There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. No matter if you're the prodigal son or the staying son, it doesn't matter. If you've been bound to God through Jesus, you cannot unson yourself or undaughter yourself. You cannot unhook yourself from the cart that is God. Cannot happen because he keeps you. 
We don't keep ourselves. And he says, I'm keeping you as a child. I'm keeping you as a member of the royal priesthood, and I'm giving you a job. Love me and go and do it. Galatians 3, uh, 27 kind of takes this a little bit further, and it just talks about that there's no longer slave, there's no longer free, there's no longer Jew, there's no longer Greek, but it says you're all one now too. So not only have we been given a dad as our identity, not only are we no longer slaves to sin, not only are we a royal priesthood, but we're a royal priesthood that's a family. And it doesn't matter what our skin tone is. It doesn't matter what our sex is. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter how we were raised. What matters is Jesus and only Jesus, period. That's it. Jesus is the ultimate unifier. Faith in him makes us all one. One. So peace with who we are. The third piece that I think we get, and I'll go ahead and tell you this one's a little different. Galatians 5.22, um, kind of a pivotal passage about the fruits of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 23. <laughs> I generally quote in King James. Is, is it only 22? That's all right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, help me with two more. Gentleness and that's it? Yeah, anyway, sorry. A lot of passages this morning. The outpouring of the Spirit that is in us, it produces these things. These are uh, passive sanctification, a result of passive sanctification to a degree. Like the things that we are not doing ourselves, the Spirit being in us, these things are going to work themselves out in us. They're going to come out, one of those in which is peace. Now, the other things that we looked at, the, the, the peace with God, the peace with who we are, they are gifts from God. This one, uh, this is the working of the Spirit in us. Patience is going to come out. If we look at Matthew 5, 8, I mean, Matthew 5, 9, we're not going to turn there. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. They are called the sons and daughters of God. Guess what? Now that we have been given peace with God, now that our identity has been changed from slave uh, to sin to now doulos or bondservant to God with freedom as a result, uh, guess what? Now we get to be the people who bear peace and not peacekeepers, but we get to be the people that go and make peace. As a result of my new identity, as a result of the peace that only comes through Jesus, we get to go into this world who does not see peace, who does not understand peace, who does not know how to acquire peace, we get to go and make peace where peace is not. Not from a spiritual standpoint, not that we save people, but the peace that we've been offered, we get to take and we get to share. And we get to go into places where there's conflict. And guess what? We get to be reconcilers. I mean, according to Scripture, it says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation from, from people to God, but also reconciliation in the sense that it's what is broken. We get to go as agents of God to help make right. Peacemakers. And it says, the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Words of Jesus. He's, we're, not, we're not making this up. We get to take peace. The difference between this peace with others kind of a thing, between the peace with God and the peace with our identity, uh, there's huge responsibility attached to this peace. Because it's in, res in response to what you have been given, now you get to go and do. You get to take what's been given to you and give it to others. Peace. The, the absence of chaos or the freedom from disturbance and tranquility. 
we get to take that message. And, and we've said it before, like, man, during this time of year, to be honest, it's the easiest time of year in the world to do it. Easiest time of the year. Last night, we, we got to invite people out to a Christmas parade that, that I know do not follow Jesus. And it's just because there was a Christmas parade. But as a result of that, we get to shore up relationships. We get to talk. We get to invite them into our home. We get to do all of that. Christmas parade. It's that time of year to where peace is on the tip of people's tongue, but they don't even know it. We can fill in the blanks. We can carry peace. Romans 12, 16 through 21, this is the, the last scripture reference. The, the previous part of this, uh, this book um, or, or, or chapter in Romans, it, it talks about how not to be right before this, and then it talks about how to be as a result of following Jesus. And it just says this. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be peacemakers. Be peacemakers. Where there's an enemy, make peace. Where there's conflict, make peace. And this is not just about the one another's. This is all people. You have people that hate you, make peace. You have people that want to see you destroyed, make peace. You have people that want to see you end, make peace. Because remember, the ministry that we've been given is this, that we make peace where peace is not for the sake of Jesus. Is it easy? Nope. Is it contrary to culture? Yep. But is it God's heart? Yes. Yes. Make peace. Starts with your social media posts. Believe it or not, it can start there. Um, it can start with Saturday football rivalry talk. <laughs> Make peace. It could go as far as the family relations on Christmas Eve. Make peace. Because ultimately what we are doing is we're echoing the actions of Jesus. He came to offer peace where peace was not. He came to fix what was broken. And what was broken was there was a barrier between us and God and it's called sin. And as a result, there's conflict that we cannot overcome. Jesus said, I'm going to take it away. Remove it because I want you to have peace. It's okay to buy gifts. I'm good with that. It's okay to, to spoil people because you love them. It's okay to accept gifts graciously, but during this time of year, man, we have a golden opportunity to show the peace that we've been given and make it the best that we can. You'll screw up. You'll burn the turkey. Uh, you'll insult your mother. You'll do all of those things. But sometimes the best way that we make peace is just to go and say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Because sometimes the conflict is a result of us. 
we started it. And what better way to demonstrate the love of Jesus that when we screw up, we go and we say, forgive me. Forgive me. Man, I would challenge you this year. Um, maybe you've never thought about just the gifts that rest under the metaphorical tree for us as a result of Jesus. Maybe you've never taken the time just to say, Jesus, because of you, here is what I get to have. And I would encourage you, just start your day. Start your day. Start a, start a practice now. Let it continue well after Christmas. But start a practice now if you don't have it. Just getting up in the morning and saying, hey, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. And just begin this this season of saying thank you for all the stuff that God has granted us. Hope, peace, faith, love. The list could go on and on. But the four is what we're going to cover during Advent. But the list is long. Just say thank you. And look for places to where peace is not. But as people who have now have peace with God, whose identities have been changed and now have been given the ministry of making peace, look for ways that we can make it. Look for ways that we can echo the very heart and the actions of Jesus and make peace. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for being so rich in your mercy, even when we, or especially when we don't deserve it. God, I thank you for giving us peace with you through Jesus. I thank you that we don't have to, to fear your wrath anymore if we are bound to you through Jesus and dwelled by your very spirit as a result of you and not as a result of us. God, thank you that the peace that you offer is not obtained through war, but it's obtained through submission. God, I pray that you would um, change more people's identity in those lives that are around us, God, as a result of the peace that we get to make because you've given it to us. I thank you for a faith family, God, that's here in this city, for this city, uh, that wants to see your name made great. I pray we would take full advantage of every opportunity this, uh, this Christmas season. Um, to just display the peace you've been given, that we've been given, and God, find opportunities to make it where it's not. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. A couple things before we uh, close in worship. Um, just two announcements, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. Next Sunday is our Christmas dinner, Christmas lunch. We've never done that uh, we try. We had a trial run potluck a couple months ago, and I, I've got to say that some work needs to be done on your potlucking skills. So next Sunday, I expect uh, those cobwebs to be knocked off and people to understand what a potluck is. Use Google. Ask, what do I take to a potluck? It'll tell you, fried chicken. So you do that, maybe green beans. Um, but either way, right after worship next Sunday, uh, we're going to reset the room and have, have a Christmas dinner together. We've never gotten to do that, or we haven't gotten to do it in several years uh, since we've been here. Um, we're going to do that. Uh, if you have an ugly Christmas sweater, you're free to wear it. If you have a Christmas sweater that you call beautiful, but everybody else thinks ugly, that's fine. Wear that. Uh, but if you don't have one, that's okay too. Just come, bring food. We'll stick it in the kitchen. We'll stick it back there, and then we'll eat right after worship. Um, and then also, what's that? Yeah. What? Yeah, sorry. And uh, yeah, we're good on time. And then, um, man, if you are looking for a place to give uh, financially this Christmas season, we've had people ask, like, um, what are we doing this year? This is what I would encourage you to do. 
Obviously, if you're a, a member of Origins, a covenant member of Origins, or you call this family, uh, we would ask that you give and support what God's doing here. Uh, but if you've already done that and you want to give above and beyond, here are four groups in Greenville that we trust, that we love, that we serve with on a regular basis, um, and that we appreciate what they're doing. If you want to send money charitably uh, to a place in Greenville, maybe go and look these up. They're going to be in the weekly newsletter. They'll be on Facebook. Poe Mill Achievement Center. Know those guys, what they're doing kind of over in West Greenville uh, with underprivileged kids is, is incredible. Miracle Hill, they do more than we can possibly talk about. Um, if you want to know more, talk to Kaylin Leopard. She works for them. Uh, Rebuild Upstate, we partnered with them. They go in they go in and help people keep their homes and get them up to code uh, so they, they don't have to sell. Uh, Mill Community Ministries, they do a lot with the underprivileged uh, teens in the city. Uh, they help provide them job training, help provide them work, help provide them a way out of where they, they are, to be honest, and they do a great job at it. And there's give links on every one of their websites. And so if you're looking for a place this season to bless an organization that does a lot um, and does, does a lot of good and that we trust here or for, um, and if you want to know any more about that, just, just look them up, read about them. If you have any questions, talk to me or Stephen or Neil um, or our wives. We can answer just about anything you need, or we can Google it for you. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for being here. Um, let's close in worship.